Hey, it's Pastor Tim. Thank you for listening. I pray this message inspires you to live a life engaged in Jesus Christ. Welcome home. And happy holidays. I don't know how you guys do it. I grew up in New York. And my family, we weren't really the... We didn't really celebrate Christmas the most traditional way. Like, we had a Christmas tree and stuff, but we didn't, on, on Christmas Day, we didn't really have gifts under the tree, and we sat and opened it. We didn't really function like that, but we, we did a lot of other things for Christmas. But Christmas in New York is it's really special. It's, it's nice and cold. There's a winter. We have the Rockefeller Christmas tree. It's just, you know, when I think of Christmas, I think of Christmas in New York. I don't know how, I do not feel like it's Christmas. It feels like I, it's, it's still June or something. Huh, but it is Christmas, and it, there's, there's more to Christmas than just snow and, and uh, Christmas songs and hot chocolate and all that. There's a lot to Christmas. But one of the, probably one of the best things that we like to enjoy about Christmas is gifts. And so when we get close to this time of year, what's usually the question someone you know very well tends to ask you? Well, before, before Christmas, they, they ask you, what do you want for Christmas? All right, so I'm going to give you guys a chance to answer in case your person needs some last-minute ideas. So I'm going to ask the ladies first. What do you want for Christmas? Anyone, give me an answer. Okay, okay. Well, we, uh, obviously, Jesus is a very great answer. But let's be materialistic for a second. I'm letting you guys, <laughs> letting you guys be materialistic today. So... In a material sense, what would you like for Christmas? A trip? A trip, all right. Anyone else? Ooh, yes, yes. Very good Christmas gift indeed. Very good request. Anyone else? What do you want for Christmas? A cruise. A cruise. Wow, you guys just want to travel. I was thinking, I was hoping for answers like, I don't know, like nice warm fuzzy socks or like a nice shawl. Or like a good non-stick pen, I don't know, like something like that. All right, man, I'll give you a chance. What do you guys want for Christmas? Good non-stick pen. A good non-stick pen. No, that's true, that's true. Socks, yes, like Pastor was saying last week, right? Socks for Christmas. Underwear. Underwear, yeah, for sure. I think one of the most stereotypical things to get a dad for Christmas is uh, a drill, right? Or a shirt, yeah. I know, Aloha shirt, yeah. Drills, tool sets, those are some of the things. All right, so imagine that you're, you get asked what you want for Christmas, and you say all these things to your partner, your friend, your sibling, whatever. And so because they asked you that, and because you told them what you wanted, you would expect it to be under the Christmas tree, right? But let's say that it's not what was under the Christmas tree. It was something completely random, a totally random gift. I have two, two short videos I want to share today uh, of two kids that got some completely random gifts, and their reactions are uh, pretty funny, pretty funny. All right, so if we could get that. Oh, no. Where's the audio? Oh, 
Oh, there you can hear the reaction. Okay, this right. is for you, okay? <laughs> okay, this is for you, okay? Oh, man. <laughs> what happened? Oh, this is a disaster. Oh, there you go. There you go. So imagine most most likely, right? Those kids they ask their parents for some kind of toy, some kind of Lego set, and they get they get uh, an avocado and a banana, and the first kid's like, "Oh, thanks!" And the second kid is obviously just so happy to have a banana, right? Really, not probably the reaction expecting, but it's funny, really funny nonetheless, right? But imagine imagine that that happened to you, right? Something as random as getting a fruit or a vegetable under the Christmas tree. How would you react? So this, this, this month, we have, we've talked about Christmas from the beginning. How the first Noel wasn't actually, you know, when Jesus was born. was from Genesis. Genesis 3. We've talked about the curses, the punishment that, that God gave, and how those are actually gifts. There's the curse that falls on the serpent, and in that curse, there's the promise to humanity that by the seed of Eve, the serpent would receive that fatal blow to the head, and sin would be defeated. And then last week, we saw how in the consequences that was given to Eve, there were actually gifts, such as the newness of life and the value that would come through her pain and even a restored desire for her husband and for God. So today, we're going to move to the next part of this uh, story. Adam's, Adam's uh, consequences, Adam's gifts. So we're gonna go to Genesis chapter three, verse 17. Genesis three seventeen. it says, then to Adam, he, God, said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles. It shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb, herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Let's start with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to come and worship together with you. And as we enter the season of Christmas and remember the gift of Jesus Christ, uh, I pray that you will still continue to teach us. There's so much in your word to learn, Lord, about how much you've given us. And I pray that as we study what you gave to Adam, Lord, we will see the blessings therein for us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's start. Before we start in verse 17, let's, let's go through this story again, right? God creates a perfect world. He creates Adam and Eve, and he gives them one simple instruction. Just don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Of all the trees you can eat, just this one single tree, don't eat of it. 
And unfortunately, they went and ate of it. And so now there were going to be consequences. Consequences fell on the serpent. Consequences fell on Eve. And then God turns to Adam and he says, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, I told you not to eat of it, but you valued the word of your wife more than you valued my own word. Because you heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree, which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it, cursed is what? Is Adam? Cursed is, cursed is what? The ground. It's interesting, right? There's two curses that God gives in this story. And where do those curses go to? The ground and the serpent. Right? Never once does God curse Adam and Eve, who committed the sin in the first place. So cursed is the ground for what? For your sake. So imagine Adam, right? Adam knows he has made this terrible, terrible mistake. And God tells him, instead of cursing you, I'm going to curse the ground not only curse the ground, but I'm going to curse it for your sake, for your benefit. Like, I'm doing this for you. Adam has to be thinking, like, what does that even mean? Like, why would you, why would I not, you know, get cursed? Why curse the ground? And God continues to say, in toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. See, the first thing that God, the first gift that God gives to Adam is the gifts of productivity. Have you ever noticed that when you're idle, when you don't really have much to do, that's when it tends to be a little bit easier to fall into sin? Right? When you don't have much to do, maybe it's easier to be relaxing with your friend and uh, talking trash about what someone did at church the other day, or our work, or you know, maybe you are looking up things that you shouldn't be looking at. When you're idle, it's, it's so easy to fall into sin. And that's what happened, possibly, for Eve. Eve was idle. She didn't have much to do until she wandered. And she wandered to the tree and ate of the fruit. So God knew that in order to keep man from stumbling into sin, he had to give him something to do. So God gave Adam the gift of productivity. Now, I don't know if you know a farmer in your life. Farmers are really cool people, really nice people, really hard workers, and they, they do a lot. They do a lot, and it can be really draining. They, they will put in more than 40 hours of work, for sure, in a week. And yet, if you were to talk to them and ask them if they'd prefer something else, they tell you they were fine. They wouldn't want to have their life any other way. They enjoy working. The high school that me and Miguel went to, we, we had someone who was kind of basically our farmer. Our, our high school was a self, self-sustaining high school. And so we had greenhouses, we had a farm, and we had a man by the name of Mr. Yovan. He was a really great guy. And you know, throughout the day, you just see him driving in his little pickup truck, going all across campus to do whatever work he had to do, taking care of the greenhouses, taking care of the gardens, 
And he would also, on top of that, teach the freshman class uh, gardening. So me and Miguel got to be a part of that. And we'd be sitting in the greenhouse, sorting through beans, or, or learning how to, to plant different things. And he would also be at the school helping serve meals at the cafeteria. He would also go to all the staff meetings. He did a lot, a lot of work. And a lot of it probably went unnoticed by the students. But thinking about it, it makes sense how much work he did. And he was genuinely such a really nice guy. I remember one time, so over the weekend, we would have to do four hours of work. And sometimes it would be two hours on Friday and two hours on Sunday. Or sometimes it would be four hours on one day. And so I had four hours of work on Sunday to do, and it was just going to be me in the greenhouse because two other people were sick, and this was winter time, and there was snow on the ground, so it was really cold. And we were working, and in like the first hour or something, uh, this like, this door, this, I don't know, I don't know, something just like fell and hit me in the head, and it hurt. But I was fine. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't anything too serious. It hurt in the moment, but the pain went away eventually. But he saw that, and then he felt so bad that he just, like, he put me in the one greenhouse that had a heater and let me sit there, and he gave me an apple. And for the next, like, two and a half hours about, I just sat there. Like, he wouldn't let me work or help him. And he just went and finished the rest of the duties and just let me sit there. So... He had really great work ethic, really great guy. Farmers are, farmers are really special. And there was this speech that I wanted to quote uh, about farmers, but it was just, it was so good that I, I also, I want to give you another video. You guys are getting a lot of entertainment today. Uh, but it was just a really, the, the delivery is just so cool. And it was a, it was a commercial that came, it was made by Ram, uh, you know, the, the truck company. And they, they aired this during the Super Bowl. Hopefully this one, this one works too, because it's, it's pretty good. And on the eighth day, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to sit up all night with a newborn colt and watch it die and dry his eyes and say, maybe next year. I need somebody who can shave an axe handle from a persimmon sprout, shoe a horse with a hunk of car tire, who can make harness out of hay, wire, feed sacks, and shoe scraps who planting time and harvest season will finish his 40-hour week by Tuesday noon and then pain in from tractor back, put in another 72 hours. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink-combed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. It had to be somebody who'd plow deep and straight and not cut corners. Somebody to seed, weed, feed, breed, and rake, and disc, and plow, and plant, and tie the fleece, and strain the milk. Somebody who'd bail a family together with the soft, strong bonds of sharing. Who would laugh, and then sigh, and then reply with smiling eyes when his son says that he wants to spend his life 
doing what dad does. So God made a farmer. So, really, when I watched this commercial the first time, it was so crazy because you're like so into the game and then this, just this quiet commercial comes on and it really it was just really thought-provoking. And so it gives, you, it gives you a picture. I wanted to give you a picture of what life as a farmer is like, like the things they do. And I like that last line that they had in the commercial. It said, to the farmer and all of us. You know, you may not have a garden in your backyard, which I recommend, honestly. If you, if you have the, the time and the ability to, you should. It, it's a good thing to learn. Um, but even if you don't necessarily do the farming work, there is a farmer spirit in all of us. And I think it's what God intended for us. Because, like I said, God gave us work to do so that we wouldn't stumble into sin. But I also think that it's a really great lesson for how we should treat our spiritual lives. Like, we live in a world today that just, you want everything so quickly, so easily. You don't want to put in a whole lot of work, you know. But God wants us to work for it. And the same applies to our spiritual walk. You have to, to cultivate your spiritual walk. You have to put in the work. You have, to, you have to spend the time, the effort. You have to be intentional. You have to work, even if you don't necessarily feel like working on it. I mean, imagine if a farmer was just tired one day during the harvest, said, I don't feel like going out today. He's going to lose a lot, right? He has to go work even if he doesn't necessarily feel like it. Because, you know, if he doesn't, the crops are all going to die. So, in that same way, we have to be intentional in our spiritual walk. And that's why God gave us work to do. Not only to keep us from falling, but to also learn what it means to develop a relationship with him. You have to be patient because you're not going to get the results right away. But God promised that you would be able to eat from it. There would still be food. But it's not always going to be easy. The next verse, verse 18, says, Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and ye shall eat the herb of the field. Thorns and thistles. Have you ever felt disappointment? The disappointment of putting in a whole lot of effort into something and you try to do everything right as much as you can and you still face some kind of issue, some kind of problem. So I like to watch Formula One racing and I like Ferrari because Ferrari makes cool cars and I like the color red and I like their drivers. There's, there's two drivers, and they're both really young guys. One of them is maybe like a few months older than me, so it's easy to relate to him. Really cool dude. And so um, I'm watching the team this season. The season just finished a couple of weeks ago. It, was, it looked really good at the very beginning. And, you know, these teams, all these, these race teams, they put a whole lot of money into their, into their cars and a whole lot of practice. So much goes in to being ready for the race season. And then 
races come, and the first couple races, Ferrari did really well. And they were at the top. Their one of their drivers was at the top. And it looked like he could possibly walk out of this whole season with a championship. And then all of a sudden, all these mistakes and problems came to happen. You know, there's so many, so many things that could go wrong in Formula One. And you wouldn't think, you know, it's just cars driving around in a circle. How hard can it be? It's pretty difficult at times. There are times where a car will, the car will, driver will go in for a pit stop. And all the, the pit person has to do is use the, use the drill to unscrew the tire and put another tire back on. And the whole process should take about two seconds, maybe even less if they're good. Two, two to three seconds is the average, right? Really simple thing to do. And these guys get, get paid for it. They practice it over and over again. So it should be light work, right? It should be easy. And yet, throughout the season, there would always be something like, for some reason, he can't get the tire off, or for some reason, he can't put the tire on. All these little things, and it's so frustrating, because it's like, man, you took a whole year to prepare for this season, and you're still making these little itty-bitty mistakes. You know, taking that to our own lives, the disappointment of putting in a lot of effort into something, trying to do everything right, and things still seem to go wrong. You know, if you're a parent, maybe you've tried your best to raise your kid in the way that you think is best. You do everything you possibly can to make sure he's brought up the right way, or, or she. And then they still make disappointing mistakes. And you're just like, I didn't teach you this. Where'd you get this from? Or maybe in your relationship with your partner, you try to do everything right to have a strong, happy, healthy relationship. And yet, you still fight and argue over even really silly things. And you're heartbroken over it. See, the reason Adam and Eve sin was because, what did the devil tell him? You'll be like God. Essentially, he was saying, you don't need God because you will be God's yourself. You will be just like him. That's what Lucifer was trying to attain, right? To be just like God, to be higher than God. He wanted to live a life without God. So why the thorns and thistles? Why do we have to deal with the thorns and thistles? Because it teaches us to depend on God. Without it, we just try to depend on ourselves because we could just do it ourselves. It would be easy. It would be a cakewalk. But it's impossible without God to yield fruits, to get vegetables out of the ground, to live your life. God gave Adam and Eve the gift of dependency on him. He said, I'm dependable. The best thing that you can do, as hard as you work, as much effort as you put in, you will still get thorns and thistles. So just trust in me. How many of you guys have been trying to do things without God? It's so easy to do. You don't even think about it sometimes. In the stress of the moment, you just try to figure it out yourself. You forget that God is waiting right there to help you. He says, I can clear the thorns and thistles for you. We can't live without him. And that's why all you have to do is depend on him. And you'll still encounter thorns and thistles in your life. They'll still cut up your arms. There's still going to be weeds that are going to choke out the life of your plants. But if you've ever 
weeded, you know, a garden or something. The best way to do it is when you're on your knees, right? The best way to pull out the weeds in the garden is to do it on your knees. So pray for strength. Pray for strength to keep working. Pray in faith for God to provide in every aspect of your life. And once you clear away the thorns and thistles, once you pull out the weeds in your life that keep coming and coming, you'll see that there's still food there for you to eat. The thorns and thistles will build your faith, your faith in him. Faith will be strengthened. I have a verse. It's 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7. It says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though it's refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The thorns and thistles are there to build your faith in what God is capable of doing in your life. Finally, the last thing. God gives Adam a gift of mercy. And looking at this on a surface level, it's hard to really see that. Because you could think, man, like, this sounds like, sounds like slavery almost. Like, you're just, you're making man live and just work all the days of his life. He has to work so hard just so he can find food. In verse 19, it says, In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. How is this mercy? Where is the mercy here? See, think about this. What was supposed to be the punishment for eating the fruit? That in the very day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Justice demanded that Adam and Eve die immediately, right then and there. But God allowed them to live. And in verse 15, in the curse to the serpent, you see that promise, right? A plan had already been put in place for Adam and Eve to be saved. The serpent's head would be crushed. But still, why? Like, why does God have to let them live in, like, this seemingly miserable life, this life of just toil and work? Why can't he just start over? Adam and Eve had made the choice to separate themselves from God. It was a simple thing that they didn't have to do, and they chose to do it. They chose to separate themselves. So God, in his mercy, wanted to give them a chance to choose him again. And the other thing is, death was also a release from the suffering Imagine Adam, Adam lived 930 years, right? Imagine all the things he had to see, all the pain that he went through. He had to see his own children kill each other, and he had to see just human morality just go on a decline, and the animals, they start killing each other, 
Before, he used to play with the lion and the lamb, and now the lion tries to eat the lamb. There's just a whole lot of death and suffering. Everything Adam is going through, it has to be difficult. And God allowed suffering in order for us to learn to depend on him, but he also knew that it can be a lot to handle. It would, it would basically be torture to live forever dealing with all of that. So God allowed man to die, to return to the dust. But what does the Bible usually portray death as? What does Jesus say death is? A sleep. So if somebody's sleeping, what does that indicate? They're going to wake up again, right? So yeah, man would lose his earthly life, but the promise in verse 15 of the enmity between the serpent's seed and the woman's seed and that the serpent's head would be crushed indicated to us that there is a better life ahead. Victory is already promised. There's going to be a time where the effects of sin will be no longer. So yeah, you might, you might pass away, but I have something better for you. And what, what is that better thing? Revelation 21, the very end of the Bible, opposite from the very beginning where creation happens. We see a process of recreation. Revelation 21 verse 4 and 5 says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Right, for these words are true and faithful. The gifts that God gives to Adam in this passage are just ultimately a reminder to us of what, what's coming. The better things are coming. Despite the mistake that was made that brought sin into this world, there's still, there's going to be redemption. So God gave us the gift of productivity to keep us from stumbling into sin and to teach us how to grow in our walk with him. He gave us the gift of dependency in him. So you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to deal with the thorns and thistles alone. We can get through all of it knowing that he will sustain us, that we will still get to eat. And he gave us the gift of mercy and allowing man to have the opportunity to still choose him even though he chose to separate himself. There's an opportunity for redemption. And he allows man to pass so that he doesn't have to suffer for too long with the promise that everything in this earth will be restored again to its former glory. So I really dislike vegetables. And, you know, most kids, most kids do. Maybe you grow out of it. I don't know. It seems like moms typically grow out of it because they always tell you to eat vegetables. <laughs> and my least favorite vegetable is broccoli. <laughs> broccoli and Brussels sprouts. It's just... <laughs> Those are your... Fa- I don't know how you, t- how you can do that. I, I just... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, based on this passage, 
you know, vegetables weren't originally part of the Eden diet that came after sin. So that's my excuse for saying, I don't need to eat vegetables because vegetables are actually punishment. Vegetables are a product of sin. <laughs> but I thank God that he gave us vegetables <laughs> because as much as they don't taste good, Amen. Thank you. Thank you. As much as they don't taste good, the work that she put in for that, the whole process of, of life and trying to bring out sustenance for ourselves ultimately shows me just how much I need him, how much I can't live without him. And it shows me just how merciful and gracious he is to me to give me another chance. So we've looked at all kinds of gifts that God has given, right? And this Christmas season, you will receive all kinds of gifts. Hopefully it's a cruise or, or uh, a nonstick pan. But don't forget the greatest gift that God gave you. A gift at a chance for new life through Jesus. The gift of vegetables. <laughs> Let's close with prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you so much for being a gift-giving God. Even though we don't deserve it and have done nothing to deserve it, Lord, you still love us and you still care for us. And you send, you sent Jesus to pay the price for something that we deserved. And I pray that we will remember that, not only just during this Christmas season, as stereotypical as that is, but throughout our lives, Lord, in every aspect of our life. Help us to Remember these gifts that you've given us of productivity, of dependence on you, that we don't have to do this alone, and the gift of mercy. So much mercy, Lord. Be with us the rest of this day, and may we be blessed through this holiday season with our family and friends. We thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support this ministry with your time, treasure, or talent, please visit our website at kaneohesda.org. Have a blessed rest of your day.